position, right? Because you're going to be learning in a new position and then imposter syndrome kicks in because you're learning and for some reason your expectation of yourself was that you wouldn't need to learn anything and the very <laughs> fact that you have to learn something means that you're not capable or competent or qualified even though any other person in that situation would have to learn something right like the world we live in changes very fast mm -hmm. and it is impossible to move through life without learning new things or at least it's possible but not in a way that <laughs> allows you to be successful because people who refuse to learn get left behind quite honestly on today's episode i sat down with phyllis Jeroga, product manager at redfin and imposter syndrome connoisseur phyllis dropped some great wisdom on what imposter syndrome is where it comes from and the number one way to combat it and how important it is to create a culture where imposter syndrome can exist much less thrive Welcome back to Lessons in Product Management. Let's get started. Hey, Phyllis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a pleasure to have you here. So to kick things off, could you give the listeners a brief background on, on yourself and what you're doing today? Yeah, so I'm, my name is Phyllis. I'm a product manager currently at Redfin. I started in August, so relatively new. Um, and I also enjoy making content on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you for that. So we wanted to talk a little bit about imposter syndrome today. And I know that's, that's a topic that you've talked about a lot in your, your posts on LinkedIn. So um, could, could we start out by defining what imposter syndrome is? And for, for someone who may have not have heard of the term or, you know, after you define it, they might be like, yeah, that, that's me. <laughs> yeah. So I think the formal definition of imposter syndrome is um, a feeling of self-doubt in places where you actually have a track record of achievement, but nonetheless, you're afraid of being found out as a fraud. And that's like the formal definition. When I say imposter syndrome, though, I really mean the umbrella term of a lot of versions of self-doubt. I mm. think something that I want to do is like delineate. I don't know. I, I want to give different names to the different types of self-doubt because I think everyone says that they're experiencing imposter syndrome, including mm. myself, but by the official definition, we're actually not. So for example, I don't relate to the feeling of feeling like a fraud very often, but a lot of people would categorize the things I experience as imposter syndrome and relate to it as such because of their own experiences. And I think that sometimes that can get a little messy, but at the end of the day, it's just helpful to think of it as self-doubt in the face of a clear record of achievement. For sure, for sure. And, and that, that achievement can come in different forms, right? You might've experienced achievement in another arena but now you're concerned that you're stepping into a new arena and you haven't done it before um and so there's that self-doubt of like can i be successful here is is that right absolutely yeah that imposter syndrome tends to come up a lot in new situations right like mm -hmm. you know you're starting a new school a new job a new role a new project because even though you have like you mentioned that track record of achievement in other places that are very close to the space that you're in now, you doubt that that transfers over to the specific situation that you're in currently. Got it. So I, I know like in those different transition periods, whether it's new school or coming out of school into your first job or, or changing careers, like we're, we're preparing for that moment, right? In, in most cases, we're, we're actively trying to get to that place that we want to go. And so there's a level of preparation that goes into that. So 
why do you why do you still think that we get that feeling of self-doubt or or fraudulence um even after that preparation going into it i personally have found that it's often tied to a lack of a growth mindset and a universal growth mindset i think i've seen mm. people who have a growth mindset for themselves but they don't have it for others or for certain situations and then they don't realize how that's contributing to the imposter syndrome interesting and, um also like a um just like a looking down upon learning right like like treating learning itself as a failure and mm. I think those two things combined just lead to a really poor situation for someone who's in a new position right because you're going to be learning in a new position and then imposter syndrome kicks in because you're learning and for some reason your expectation of yourself was that you wouldn't need to learn anything and the <laughs> fact that you have to learn something means that you're not capable or competent or qualified even though any other person in that situation would have to learn something right like the world we live in changes very fast mm -hmm. and it is impossible to move through life without learning new things or at least it's possible but not in a way that <laughs> allows you to be successful because people who refuse to learn get left behind quite honestly so i think that's one aspect and the, the other aspect is like i i'm someone who has a lot of growth mindset for myself but i i really wasn't able to like overcome quote unquote imposter syndrome until i applied growth mindset universally right mm -hmm. so for example think about my manager being director of product and me being like a new pm I might have growth mindset for myself saying like, oh yeah, like I'm really excited to learn and get better as a PM. But then when I see my manager as like this, this holy grail of a person who's just so smart and qualified and always makes the right decision. And I don't realize that they too need to learn so much. And there's so much that they have learned. Then when it's my turn to be director of product, I might have had a growth mindset for myself as a PM, but then when I become director of product, because I didn't realize that I was applying this lack of a growth mindset to other people in the role, when I step into the role, I started doing that to myself too. So when it's universally applied, it means that wherever you go, you'll be fine because you realize that all those other people before you also had to learn and grow too. And you're not the only one who needs to learn and grow, right? Because that's, I think that's where the sense of fraudulence comes in. Cause it's like, oh, well, I have to do all of these things to understand <laughs> what's going on and to perform well, but I don't think anybody else does. So I must be the fraud here. But once you realize literally everyone else does, that really changes the game. I love that. And I've always heard that the, the more you learn, the more you learn how much more you need to know right like the 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 more you learn like the more you realize what you don't know <laughs> and so like to, to your point at the beginning i think there's there's always going to be a need to learn um and then also to your point like at each level there's there's another level of growth and you know those who have gone before you've experienced that too so i, I love that you called that out so succinctly because it it's so true <laughs> yeah Cool. So in, in your role with Redfin, um, as, as you kind of jumped in and got going, did, did you have situations where like, like specifically where, where you felt self-doubt and like, how, how did you, how did you handle that? Yeah. So I was actually having this conversation with someone on LinkedIn recently um, that have a hypothesis that if you were to look at imposter syndrome across job titles, they believe that product managers experience it more. And I'm willing to buy into that hypothesis because of how 
ambiguous the role is and how many different types of skills are required. But for me at Redfin, when I first started, I was feeling great. I was not doubting myself at all. I was like, I can do this. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> and then what happened was, because I had, you know, I had the growth mindset kind of down. But then what happened was I started having to make choices between traits that I believed were intrinsic to my character and like mm. me as a person and the nature of the role of a PM. So for example, I'm very risk averse. I don't take risks. <laughs> and I try to make incredibly calculated decisions that are thoroughly researched. Being a PM is not like that. You're taking <laughs> risks. You're making decisions that are kind of really unclear. It's more of an art than a science. Everything's kind of up in the air and you just have to be the person responsible for choosing a direction, right? Mm -hmm. For a lot of people. And I remember sitting at my desk and I was like, can I really be a PM if I'm risk averse? Like inherently as a person, who I am does not go with this role. And that's an issue. So then I started doubting whether I could be a PM. It's not like I thought, oh, like, you know, like I'm a terrible PM or anything. It was just like moving forward as I take on larger and larger risk. Can I really do that when I'm a risk averse person? Um, I'm still a PM. So obviously I decided to just learn how to be better at taking it, <laughs> which has been fun. Scary, but fun. Um, it's also just helped me in more avenues in my life, like with personal finance and side projects and stuff. So it's a very useful thing to have changed about myself. But that was definitely a strong moment of self-doubt because I felt like who I really was would not work with the type of work that I was doing. Um, and Another thing that I had a hard time with was Redfin puts a lot of responsibility um, into a PM's hands. Even if you're an early PM, this is your first role, whatever, it doesn't matter. You're going to make the choice. And I was on this project where all of our directors of product, except for one, commented heavily on the doc that I had sent out. And I got very stressed because they all wanted me to make a decision. <laughs> and I was looking at these comments and I was like, all of you are directors of product. There are several of you very qualified decision makers who have been at this company for longer, know this more than I do, who can make this choice. And you all want me, who's been here for three months, and this is my first PM role. And I am just starting to understand how real estate even works. And you want me to make this choice. So that was the moment that has stuck out to me as like my, like, peak self-doubt moment um it was it was the same moment as the whole risk averse thing because i didn't want to make the wrong choice and right. like these directors didn't know what the right choice was so i was like i definitely don't know what the right choice is then um and that was really hard for me because i just didn't know what to do but i talked to my manager about it i was like why why me <laughs> why me i'm i've been here for some number of weeks I kind of barely know what's going on and all of you are super qualified directors you can all make this choice and they're like yeah but you you're this is your job you're making this choice <laughs> um and I was like what if I make the wrong choice and then my manager is like that's fine like you can fail you can learn right and having that conversation with him when I realized one it's fine if I make the wrong choice and it's not like <laughs> 
gonna get me fired <laughs> if I make a mistake right I just need to make a call and it's yeah. my responsibility to make the call and also just he also mentioned like we hired you because we want you to make this choice right it's not a thing of you're more qualified than all directors combined to make the choice it's that it's your job to make the choice um and I think once I got it out of my head that the person most qualified to make the choice has to make the choice and the person re most responsible for making the choice has to make the choice mm. that allowed me to be a lot better in my role because I feel like before I was always looking for the person who I thought was the best with the best answer and then I realized it doesn't have to be the person with the best answer it has to be the person who's stepping up to the plate to give people an answer so that kind of mindset sh shift helped me a lot that's so powerful Th thanks for sharing that this episode is sponsored by MentorMesh.io. Jay Taylor is the founder of MentorMesh and currently a staff PM at Twitter. Jay was able to break into tech and move his way up into product leadership for companies like Microsoft and Salesforce before going to Twitter and all without a degree. So if you're looking to get into product, Jay is going to show you how through the MentorMesh Career Accelerator, where you'll learn how to stand out in the job market and where you'll acquire the tangible skills and experience you need to get hired. Join the community for free at MentorMesh.io and accelerate your path to product with the MentorMesh Career Accelerator at courses.mentormesh.io. And you can grab both links in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. So, and I love that you you had the space and the explicit permission to fail, right? Like, because I, I think I saw somewhere where like 75% of all features that are ever developed are never used. Right. So like getting the decision right the first time is, is rarely ever the case, mm -hmm. but being like comfortable with that ambiguity and that risk to your point um, is something that we, we have to, we have to come to, but I'm kind of like you where in my personal life, I'm very risk averse and like very calculated decision-making personally. And so I'm, I've kind of experienced that same thing of like, I, I hate failure. I don't want to, but it's just an inherent part of the job. So um, it's a, uh, it's, it's pretty cool that I'm not the only one who's experienced that too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're definitely not the only one. Cool. Um, so for, for someone who's like us, who's kind of going through these moments of, of self-doubt, like early in our careers, what, what advice would you give them? I know there's some steps that you took, but what, what are some things maybe you've learned that you would have done differently or, or things that worked well that you did do that you would, you would advise the listeners on? Mm -hmm. I, I would say if you don't have a super toxic work environment, do what I did. Talk to your manager, right? I think another thing that was super helpful for me to realize is that, like, my manager is not a drill sergeant. Like, he's supposed to be my coach and, like, invested in my success. And it's not really a thing of, like, giving a daily report of, here are all the things I did perfectly, don't yell at me. <laughs> and it's a thing of, like, here's what I'm working on and here's what I'm struggling with and here's what I think could be going better. How can we work together to make this successful. I think that difference was super helpful for me because then I can have conversations with my manager where I'm like, I'm really struggling with this right now. Um, how would you advise me to proceed? Like I'm really doubting myself or I, I'm having a hard time communicating with this person, et cetera, et cetera, and not seeing the fact that I need help as a failure in and of itself, right? And I emphasize that like to do that if you don't have a toxic work environment. There are work environments where it's like, someone would be like, oh, figure it out yourself. Or like, why are you even struggling with this in the first place? Like <laughs> some level of expectation of you to be perfect, even though that's unrealistic. Um, so yeah, if you have the space to do so, talking to your manager, and if not talking to other mentors or peers who might be struggling with the same thing um, is super helpful. Like you said, like realizing other people 
are going through this, that you're not the only one is super important. And I actually took it upon myself to do that a couple of months in, we have like a group meeting of PMs and I brought it up and I was like, today we're gonna talk about imposter syndrome. Like we need to all talk about this as a group of PMs, right? And people are super grateful that I did that. So like creating that space to be able to just talk about what's going on, I would say is a huge first step. Um, and then as I alluded to earlier, realizing that like there's no failure in learning. Like I think there's a lot of failure in not learning and, and trying to hide the fact that you don't know something like you just get it out of the way right like better to ask a stupid question than to make a stupid mistake and mm. realizing that early on i think is super helpful so that you can ramp up faster and ask those questions that you need to and then i'd also say creating a culture where imposter syndrome can't live is mm. huge for me right because it's one thing to like try to fix your own imposter syndrome and it's another thing to create an environment where it's not even an issue in the first place like an environment where people ask questions an environment where people admit to their failures and the mistakes that they're making and the fact that they need help and they need support or they need time off or anything i think is super helpful right like once my manager started openly having conversations about all the mistakes and all the things that he's tried at redfin that have failed I felt so much better. I was like, oh, he failed too, because he's literally like one of the best people at the company. And like, whenever someone brings him up, they're like, oh, he's so smart. He's so this. So then to hear him be like, yeah, I worked on this project. And I was like a complete failure, like total bust. I'm like, wait, you had a project that was a complete failure? Oh my God, that makes me feel so much better. <laughs> um, yeah, just creating a different culture around learning so that you don't even feel like a fraud in the first place because you realize that everyone else is learning and growing too. I love that. I think there's like dual takeaways there, right? Like one I've heard it said, there's nothing new under the sun, right? And so if we're experiencing a problem, then it's very likely someone else's experiences too, whether it's in our company or outside, like you mentioned mentors, but, but I think there's also great advice to product leaders built into what you just said, right? Like creating that, um, that work environments where this this is a norm, but also sharing like openly, um, like in a vulnerable manner, being transparent of like, here's where I failed. And these are the things that I've learned from it, just to, to give you that permission to say, hey, you may think I'm perfect, but I'm not. And and like to you, I mean, it made a big impact, right? And I know, I know that would make a big impact to me of, of you know, the need to not feel like you have to be perfect, um, which okay. I think is what creates the imposter syndrome to begin with. <laughs> Yeah, because if you like, once you realize that there's no such thing as a fraud because everyone's figuring it out, yep. then that kind of eases up things. Yeah, it was, I was even talking to it. So my manager ended up leaving a couple weeks ago and he asked me what advice I have for him as he moves into his new role. Um, and he's going to be responsible, responsible for building the product team at his new place from the ground up. And I said um, that I want him to ask a lot of questions right and he was like well I'm not gonna know anything and it's been a long time since I was the person who didn't know anything and I was like yeah ask a lot of questions like actively he's like yeah but I'm gonna be you know like the top exec in like I'm the leader of products who am I to be asking all these questions and I'm like okay don't think of it as a thing of like you're the top exec and you need to have answers instead of questions think of it as you're going to be responsible for building this team and you're going to be responsible for building your product team culture and like you should probably create an environment where if people see you always asking questions despite the fact that you're you know the 
head of product, then they're also going to be open to asking questions too. And he was like, oh, that's super helpful to think of it as like creating culture instead of like a judgment call on me and whether I know things or not. And I was like, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I would, I would highly advise people who are like in top level product roles to be asking a lot of questions. Sometimes even if you know the answer, right? Like maybe just opening that space up for people to have questions is going to be super impactful in ways that you can't imagine, even if for you, like the answer to the question itself wasn't that important. That's awesome. I love the, the reverse mentorship there too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I felt so good. I was like, oh my God, I'm helping you. This, uh, this is my going away gift, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, Phyllis, in, in the theme of like growth mindset, right? There's, there's PMs out there that are listening that are, that are I, I know this is resonating with them and, and they're probably like encouraged and motivated now to go learn more and be, be able to like share and like, you get out of their own way right? with, with like, Oh, I don't know what to do, but like take action to let, let's go figure out what to do and just kind of move forward with it. So what, what are some of the best like resources that you use in kind of your growth and learning efforts? I would say audible. <laughs> okay. I've read so much. I know that probably wasn't the answer you were expecting, but I've read so much because I read audiobooks, right? Like it just makes it so much faster and, um, I always have my book, right? Because I always have my phone. That's the joys of being addicted to your phone. You always have it, right? <laughs> so there's no excuse of like, oh, I left my book here or whatever. It's really like you always have books on hand. You just have like five minutes of free time. Like that builds up, right? Like five minutes of free time throughout the day. And then over the course of several weeks, soon, sooner than you realize you finished a book. So I've read a lot of product books through Audible and that's been super helpful. Um, LinkedIn has connected me to people like you. So I think for me, it's like being able to learn from people who know what they're doing more than I do um, is super helpful, right? Like I don't, I didn't know much about product a year ago, if anything. <laughs> and I've learned so much from people's LinkedIn posts and like having conversations with those people um, about their experience in their role. So I think, you know, it's, there's some quote about, like it's it's great to learn from your own failures, but it's even better to learn from other people's failures. And Absolutely. Having that environment to learn from other people's failures has been super helpful for me as well. Um, and uh, another unconventional answer is a journal. Mm. I think reflecting is a huge source of learning that I think some people skip over, right? Because they just want to like consume all the answers <laughs> from the external world and not realizing how many answers like you have about your own situation already if you took time to reflect on it um so i think taking that time to journal not just to consume content but to reflect on your situation and what could have gone better and what you already did well to know what to you know increase and decrease pulling like levers in your own life because your situation even if it's relatable it still has its levels of uniqueness right like it's still you and nobody knows you like you. So being able to reflect on your experience within products can be super helpful. And then I would also plug it, it, reflecting publicly. Like I like to reflect publicly through my LinkedIn content, be like, oh, this was my grand failure at work. Gather around and hear about it. <laughs> and I like when other people do the same, right? Because mm -hmm. um, it's not scalable to have a conversation where you advise every single person in your life. But 
content is scalable and it can help so many people so quickly without taking up more of your time. No, I love that advice of like public journaling, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got cool. that from John Marty. That was not me. He was like, I never understood what personal branding was. I was so confused. I was so <laughs> confused. I was like, what is, same thing with networking. Those words, I was just like, what are these words? I don't get it. But then I, I attended a webinar that he had and he was like, personal branding, especially online, is really just journaling in public. And I was like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Very cool. Well, Phyllis, uh, as always, I, I love, I love chatting with you and just like the, the knowledge bombs that you drop are, are awesome. And so I'm glad that we got to share some of that publicly today. So thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you for having me. You asked really good questions and I'm really glad that I got to share something and hopefully be some level of helpful. Um, and yeah, I always love talking to you too. That was Phyllis Giroge, product manager at Redfin. Remember, We're all on a growth journey, so don't waste time wondering if people know you don't have it all together, because none of us do. Instead, focus on intentional learning and a growth mindset, and try out some of the tips Phyllis mentioned around reflection, journaling in public, and networking. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe, and I know there are some product people out there who would benefit from this episode, so please pass on the wisdom that Phyllis took time to come on and share with you. Thanks for joining us today, and I'll see you next week on Lessons in Product Management.